Welcome to episode six of Hurwitz's House of Horror. I'm your host, Steve Hurwitz, and this is the podcast where I find an excuse to watch a horror movie and I get some friends who don't normally watch horror movies to watch it and we get to talk about it. And that's exactly what we're doing this week. Unfortunately, my official unofficial co-host, Jeff Miller, will not be joining us. But in his place, I have two guests today. I would like to welcome to the Horror House for the very first time. Brian and Margaret Lovelace. Hooray. Yay. Hey, guys. How you doing today? I'm doing great, Steve. It's really, really cool to be here. We're really, really excited. I'm very excited to have you both here because I know the two of you aren't the biggest horror fans. Or at least, yeah, you haven't really told me that you've watched too many horror movies. So I thought this would be the perfect movie for you two to experience (laughs) and talk about with me on this podcast. (laughs) It It is an experience, I tell you. Good, good, good. Well, with all my guests here, I always like to ask what their first kind of horror experience was, something that they remember from an early age or just something they remember. So, Brian, I'm going to start with you. Can you tell me about some of your first horror experiences? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, I think the the earliest memory I think of being scared by film uh, was E.T., uh yes when et like freaks out like screams when he like meets elliot for the first time i think yes i I remember having to be behind the couch during that scene i otherwise loved that movie but i just couldn't handle that uh and then the actual i think first horror film that i remember watching uh was gremlins nice still stands up it's so good super good incredible movie uh but that one did give me nightmares. I always thought gremlins were under the bed <laughs> also. So I had a hard time with that as a child. Uh, so, yeah. I actually have a, an absolute hatred of E.T. And that's specific really? scene that you just said when Elliot runs into him in the field and his head shoots up and he goes. Wah! Yeah, that's that, the one. That's destroyed me as a child. Uh, there's the scene where he's like dead in the ditch and he looks like a dried up turd. Yeah, that's upsetting. He's all white. And then there's a scene where he like gets collected or whatever. And Elliot sees him, you know, he's hooked up to a machine and he's still dying. And he's like, Elliot. And he just is pale. And I'm like, I want to murder myself. I want to tear my eyes out. This is the scariest thing I've ever seen. And that also gave me nightmares for years and still to this very day does. Yeah, that was a deeply traumatizing movie for children. Yeah. I'm a generation behind you guys, I think, because I didn't see that until I was much older. And I was not afraid of that at all, but I think I was also like a, a good teenager by the time I saw you. Yeah, I think that's an appropriate age. I'd say so. Yeah, but I was definitely like maybe eight, eight years old. I, I was a that. child so when not, I saw it. Yeah, yeah, not an acceptable age. Bummer. Yeah, Bummer, guys. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that's Spielberg, isn't it? Like, yes, yes, it is. Yeah, I, that's like a, a wholesome family movie. Yeah, it was. That's my to be. recollection of it. It's like a wholesome family, like. Oh, how sweet. Yeah. I'd say 85% of it matches that description. But and there are a lot of really horrible scenes. Yeah. Most people that I know agree with you as well, Margaret. They're all just like, oh, that's such a family-friendly, wholesome movie. But an Dude, alien like, that helps no, a boy. I'm like, no, that alien is going to murder that boy. He just doesn't know <laughs> it yet. This alien's getting drunk. He does not know what he's doing. 
He's stealing my goddamn Reese's pieces, man. But that aside, I think maybe that also fueled my fear of aliens, just because aliens are something that's like one of the one of the first things I remember really terrifying me as a kid. I remember like E.T. And then I would also see like these Nova or like, you know, these documentaries about alien abductions and stuff like that. You know, those those cheap things you would see on TV. But again, as a kid, I was fascinated and just so scared. And then you saw E.T. It's like, this could happen to me. This is a kid. Oh, my God. This kid's my age. Oh, my God. E.T. is going to fucking I take me over. I could encounter this thing screaming. Yeah, too, yeah. too relatable. And I grew up in a place where there were many fields. And I like to go into fields. You know who stopped liking fields after that? Me. <laughs> oh, no. For years. Ruined. Yeah. Oh. E.T. aside, Margaret. Let's talk about your first experiences. Yeah. um, I know you talked in one of the episodes uh, a while ago about really enjoying the cover art of old movies, Mm -hmm. of old horror movies. And I really remember going to like the old video store in my hometown, um, Video Droid. Nice. And and sneaking off from my mom and looking at all the horror movie covers. And I'm not a horror movie person at all. I read the Wikipedia <laughs> plots before I see movies because I don't want to be too scared. Um, but I had this like really like I was drawn to those covers for the, you know, the titillating sensation, sensationalized aspect of them. Of course, um, the first movie that I really remember being terrified of um, was The Ring. Okay. Um, we watched it as teenagers and I remember it being this kind of like, oh, this group thing. We're all going to like watch a scary movie and get boys to hold hands with us. Aww. And it was like all part of this. I, I wasn't really thinking of it as a scary <laughs> movie experience. Yeah. And I remember the scene when she's like pulling the string out of her throat. Oh. And I remember being like, I've made a terrible mistake. <laughs> this is not fun. No boy is holding my hand and mm-hmm. I am terrified. Um, and I went to bed that night and I always slept with my closet door open and just the big, dark rectangular hole of Mm -hmm. my closet terrified me. And there's no like real closet thing in the ring. Um, still though, anything can come out of that closet. And I slept with my closet door closed for 12 years. (laughs) Couldn't do it. So my first like kickoff into horror did not go well. Um, and I, I've only seen that movie one time. That's the oh, only that's time I've seen mm-hmm. The Ring. I was like, somebody tried to get me to watch it again. I was like, nope, I'm good. Uh, I got I've what I needed it. out of that and too much. To go back to, you know, keeping your closet door closed for 12 years, mm-hmm. I say better safe than sorry, because as we all know, uh, nothing can get through a closet door or get to you whilst you're under your sheets. Safe. Yeah, definitely. Feet mm-hmm. tucked in closet door. We're closing our closet doors tonight. It's a bulletproof <laughs> plan. Them are the rules. You can't <laughs> break them. That's right. Law of the land. But yeah, you also having- mentioning the ring. Uh, yeah, I think that that and uh, the grudge. I saw mm. those when I was, you know. I, I didn't mean, see the grudge until I was 16 because people told me it was like the ring. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no. So the worst yeah. movie. Right. Can't see that. Yeah, those two movies. I think that that's when I, I realized that all the horror movies I'd seen prior to that were just spooky or like yeah. just jump scares for the most part. Like those were just like actually scary. Like those yeah. freaked me out. Something like I can do slasher things, maybe. Yeah, I, mean, I can't do any of it. I'm leaning <laughs> top to bottom. But like you know, I can do the slasher more than I can do Japanese horror because I feel like the Japanese horror combines like the the fucked up psychological aspects with like also body horror. 
Yeah. yeah. And they do a really good job. They do a really good effects. job. It's incredible. I'm still traumatized and I'm 33. Oh, yeah. It's been 20 years since I saw The Ring. So did you say you saw The Grudge? I did, but I didn't see it until I was like 16, 17. Okay. It took me years to come around to it. Makes sense. And that was also a like, I'm going to get a boy to hold my hand. Yeah. It also did not work. But I was like a little bit more prepared because uh-huh. I had like seen other scary movies and I'd seen more suspenseful movies. So I feel like I was more prepared, but I jumped right in from like watching an Alfred Hitchcock movie to The Ring at 13. So two sides of the spectrum there. Yeah, just really dove in the deep end. So would you say that The Ring or The Grudge was more scary to you? Probably The Ring just because of how traumatizing it was. Sure. Like, again, <laughs> Especially at I that age. I haven't seen it since I was 13 yeah. and going blind with fear. Um, but I feel like The Grudge would probably scare me more. Sure. Yeah, because I think The Grudge freaked me out more. And I feel like as an adult, that would scare me more content-wise. They both had that very similar theme of there's there's really no escape. Yeah. It's just going to happen. Yeah, but that one was like in their house. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was a little I more personal, I felt, you know? Yeah. Well, let me ask you guys this. I'm just assuming you've only seen the Americanized versions, not the yes. original ones? Yes. Okay. No, I've seen the Japanese ones, and they are way scarier. I be- yeah, That's what I've heard. I've never seen the originals. I've only seen the American remakes. You could not make me. <laughs> I don't think I could do that. I think that might make me cry. I'd be like, kind of like what you're saying, you know, Japanese film, they have gotten horror down to such a formula and not like a bad one, but they have it just down pinpointed where it's just scary and upsetting. Yeah. I wonder how much too, that's just like, it's separated enough from us culturally that it seems even more unknown. Oh, definitely. Um, that like, cause it's just, there's, there's bits of like mythology and lore that they have. That are just not ours. Mm-hmm. We know so nothing like, about you know, it. Yeah. Okay. Yet another, you know, headless horseman thing. It's like for them, it might be like that. But for us, I'm like, this is the scariest new thing I've ever heard of. Oh yeah. The fear of the unknown is a huge factor there. It's what, what the darkness is scary and aliens are scary because we mm-hmm. just don't know what the hell's going on. Plus, I feel like I could deal with a headless horseman. He doesn't have a head. He can't see shit. Yeah. Now, I know how to engage with that. Somebody yeah. that crawls out of a TV. That's like I'm a probably girl sitting that's at. been drowning in a bathtub forever that gives me her hair. No, I can't fight that. <laughs> I'm just Yeah. Well, I'm just stressed out now. <laughs> well, let's uh, maybe put the ring <laughs> into our back pocket for maybe a later episode for you, Margaret. Is right. it time to conquer some that fears? That might be really funny to revisit. I think oh, it yeah, definitely would be. Really I'd be down for that. Let's yeah. yeah, let's let's consider that, you guys. You know, I think oh, that'd be fun. Boy. We're gonna close our closet doors. I can tell you that. <laughs> Well, speaking of closing closet doors, how about we open some doors, but this time to the gateways of hell, as we dive into this week's movie, The Beyond from 1981, directed by Lucio Fulci. Just as a heads up, we're going straight into this movie as always, so there are going to be big time spoilers, you're going to know how everybody dies, and there are a lot of deaths in this movie, let me tell you. So, spoiler warning. Now, this director is one of my favorites. Really? Well, 
you know, at least the ones that I've seen. He's done a lot of horror movies and the ones I've seen, I absolutely love. They're just these over the top kind of gory, just don't really make too much sense and have plot holes. (laughs) But when I'm watching a movie like this, I'm not in it for the plot. I'm in it to just watch absolute chaos erupt on the screen. This movie gives that. Yes, it does. It's the right place for that. that. So Lucio Fulci, he is known as the maestro of gore. I don't know if you got that. Yeah, but yeah. No, <laughs> no, that adds up. That's a fair title. He's yeah. an artist for sure. Now, this movie is known as part of the Gates of Hell trilogy. This is going to be the second in the trilogy, but it's my favorite personally. The other two are going to be City of the Living Dead and then Cemetery by the House, I believe it's called. Now, they don't really have anything to do with each other, but they're just all about gateways to hell and them coming to Earth. And they all star the main actor, Catriona McCall. I probably just butchered that name, but she played Liza in this. Yes. Mm -hmm. And she pretty much has the starring role in all three of these movies, which I think is pretty cool. So but she's not the same character. She's not Liza throughout. No different names. Yeah. Going through three very traumatic experiences, I'm sure. Exactly. All having to do with hell. (laughs) Bless. So this movie stars Catriona McCall, David Warbeck, and everybody else. You know, I'll be honest, I didn't really care too much about them. I guess maybe maybe Emily. I probably should have learned her name, but nah. We'll just call her Emily. So this movie starts off, you know, we see these gentlemen quietly rowing in a boat. Pretty. So quietly. Yeah. For an organized mob, those dudes were really quiet. They had this planned out. So I wrote down, good organizing, fellas. These guys are really quiet for an angry mob. Yeah. They're getting together with a bunch of their friends who end up showing up in front of this hotel. Just trucks pull up. They got pitchforks. They have torches. They have torches in 1927, <laughs> yeah. which I'm quite sure flashlights existed. Oh, yeah. This is, certainly was electricity. Yeah. This movie starts off in 1927. Yeah. Uh, we're also shown a woman who finds this book called the Abon, I believe it is. Am I saying that incorrectly, you guys? I think that's that right. sounds right. Abon, Ebon, something fun. And she starts to read from it. So this opening just kind of jumps between both her And a painter that we see, he's quietly just in his room, room 36, just minding his own business, painting this desolate wasteland with bodies on it. And it just looks empty and terrible. Right then we have the mob coming up the stairs into this hotel and they bust down the door. They immediately just start yelling at this guy. They call him a warlock, I think. Ungodly warlock. (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah that's a, that's right they start yelling at him telling him he's cursed this town and he has to pay and they start off immediately by just slapping in him right in the face with a chain a big old chunk of his cheek just gets bleh, right off but with the, they also like panned away to the painting so you hear this chain beating the dude mm-hmm and I was like, oh, good. We're not going to see too much gore. Well. So it tricked me because I was like, oh, it was very tasteful. This like one chain and then it cut to all these different parts of this desolate wasteland with the chain beats. And I I think I wrote down that I was like, oh, that's nice. That's mm-hmm. nice that I'm not going to see too many horrible things. <laughs> oh, how Little wrong you, know. you were. Yeah. 
So while this is happening, we also have this mysterious woman that we see reading from the book of Avon. She's reading the lines. In this book are collected all the prophecies of Avon, handed down generation to generation over 4,000 years. The seven dreaded gateways are concealed in seven cursed places. Woe be unto him who ventures near without knowledge. Spooky shit. Bummer. Yeah, I wrote down in my notes, they should have led with that. That was a really cool hook. Mm -hmm. I was like really into that. But like there were so many disjointed scenes before that. Mm -hmm. Just like really long, slow pans over this very slow, deliberate rabble, Mm -hmm. you know, in in this sepia scene. But man, they hooked me. They hooked me with the the book. That was cool. Speaking of disjointed, we're going (laughs) to cut back to our painter warlock this guy being dragged down into the basement of this hotel and he says this hotel was built over a door to hell only i can save you and you know this mob is not having it they end up pushing him onto the ground and they start hitting him again with that chain and margaret you got to see what you thought you wouldn't see was i wrong yeah they Uh, not only show you they let the chain hit the body and then zoom deep into each wound. A lot of focus on the damage mm-hmm. there. He gets hit right across the shoulder, I believe it was, and then he gets fucking hit in the side as well. And you think you think he's had enough yet? Absolutely not. This mob is pissed. So they end up hoisting him up and they take some nails and they put them right through his fucking wrists. I was gross, but very impressive. Oh, yeah. Everything looked great. And it wasn't as gory as it could have been because kind of like you said, Brian, they had a bit of a CP tone filter over it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, also a quick heads up to everyone. We watched the unrated version of this movie, which I believe is only about two or so minutes longer. I think it's just scenes of gore that gets chopped down. But anyways, Brian, I don't know why I'm. Focusing on you right now. (laughs) I'll see you later. Uh, But like you said, yep, there was a filter over it, so it wasn't as gory as it could have been until that filter goes away once the movie actually starts. So once they have this gentleman just hoisted up, he's hanging by the nails, they start to fill up this pail or this bowl with, I guess, acid? Yeah, I, I was pretty confused about that. <laughs> I'm going to be really honest. At first. I, I thought, I thought it might have been. Him. Yeah, I thought it was cement. I thought uh, it was too, but it looked like his face was kind of melting, right? Oh, it oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, that, was, that was an acid, definitely. I actually <laughs> did some research this morning because I, I couldn't I couldn't let go of it. I Excellent. was so confused. Love it. I, I have a theory. I think it's lye. Oh. Because lye is an alkali. It's very acidic. Mm-hmm. And I think it can dissolve That's what I wrote down that I bodies. lye. That's wow. one of those tropes i think if you got a body you you know you get a shovel and some lie or whatever interesting so We're i think that's what to... that was but you know the the lay person's not gonna know what they're mixing and throwing on and it looked fella. like paint i am yeah, that lay person really yeah <laughs> oh so as am i i've seen this movie many times i think i've always just assumed it was acid i don't know well, I mean, yeah. that's definitely a good <laughs> assumption really melts that's really all you need to know that it is acid mm-hmm. yeah because boy and it played some sick music while he was melting. It too. sure did. And oh. down the melting music is a bop.
the, so. the music in this entire movie, I think, oh, is good. just the killer. score is so funny. The score is excellent. Yeah. yeah, I couldn't it couldn't get it out of my head. Yeah, uh, but to go back uh, a little bit, the the nails. Uh, I actually really appreciated the attention to detail, like the crucifixion. As I mm-hmm. understand it, you you go through the wrists because mm-hmm. otherwise the body's just going to fall through through the hands. Just and that's tears just, through. Yeah, that's gruesome but ineffective. Uh huh. So yeah, that was, that, was, uh, that was good. The big thick nails right through the wrist. And even with this color that was going over, uh, like the yellow hue, it still looked really fucking like, oh, oh, upsetting. It was it was convincing. (laughs) We were saying that it was pretty clear when you looked at it, like if you really thought about it, it's like, okay, I saw how they they like would have done that effect of Mm -hmm. like hand through something and like a fake arm. But it didn't matter Mm -hmm. because the visceral reaction I got from seeing that was like, oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. So. You, if you can figure out the effects, it does, but it doesn't matter. No, it was really good. What was the d- director's honorific for uh, gore? What was it? The Maestro of Gore. Oh yeah, yeah, just, just very well earned. Oh, most definitely. And so, as he we see his face slowly melting due to the lie, the acid, the paint, whatever it may be, we have the final quote from the book that this woman is reading from, and it goes. Woe be unto him who opens one of the seven gateways, because through that gateway, evil will invade the world. Then the book bursts into flame right in her face, and we have our opening title and our opening music score. That was sick, by the way. That was really cool. What an excellent transition into color. That was very, very cool. Yeah. I didn't catch it the first time until Brian pointed it out that that was the transition to color. I just like like the the book bursting into flames. I was like, oh, cool. Oh, it's real flames. Like, it's real flames, and they're orange. We're no longer in sepia. Very cool transition. Yeah, that was amazing. We are given the title, and I'm going to butcher this as well. I'm butchering names mm-hmm. and Italian things left and right in here, so I apologize to... It's a movie full to... of butchering. we got to butcher the names, <laughs> Hey, too. very yeah. true. Bravo. All right, so we see the title. E2, Vivre Nel Terror. Le Al de La. Said that one wrong. Le Al de... All de la. Ah, that's my best go. You know what, Steve? That sounded like perfect Italian to, Thank you. Know, to my ears. Yeah. Uh, I have been to Italy before, you guys. So it, mm-hmm. it, sounds, it shows. It yeah, shows. Clearly. Culture. <laughs> and that translates to, and you will live in terror, the beyond. Again. I didn't know what that was translated. That's oh, awesome. that's cool. Yeah. I was wondering. That's seven minutes into the movie. Yeah, wow. That sets the tone perfectly. So, as you said, we transitioned to color with the fire, and we are now shown Louisiana in 1981. We're introduced to our main character, Liza, who we find out has inherited this hotel, and she's cleaning it up, trying to get it back into running condition. As she's walking around with Martin, he's someone who's trying to help her clean it up and get the renovations going. We have painters outside. One of the painters glances in the window, and he sees a woman with these crazy-looking eyes, They're just like gold and yellow and kind of sparkly. And he freaks out. He immediately screams and just falls right off the scaffolding. And I guess he just bursts everything inside of him. (laughs) I like I wrote extreme suspension disbelief on how what his injuries are, because he landed on his leg and then rolled onto his back and then hemorrhaged from his mouth. (laughs) 
with such a velocity. Yeah. And had like a head wound on the forehead. Yeah. He when, just exploded. <laughs> when he's moved to the couch, yeah, the top of his head from his forehead, <laughs> there's blood coming down. And he just keeps saying, her eyes, the eyes. It was the eyes. This is when we're introduced to our other main character, Dr. John McGabe. Who is not in a hurry at all. Yeah, he's just taking his time. Oh, yeah, that's a meandering doctor. <laughs> he showed up like, oh, is this the place? All right, I guess. Like, the dude was bleeding so much, and he just wandered in. It was incredible. And then once he gets there, he's like, can we get some water going for this guy? Laz is like, everything's broken. All right, let's just let's just move him, I guess, somewhere different. To a bed, I guess. Oh, they never say if he, like, dies. I think he does. I think he does. Well, they yeah. say, like, later, but she's like, really oh, I'm going to come it. check up on him. And he's like, call me at the hospital, babe. Yeah. And she's like, great, sounds good. And then never follows up. There's a scene man. I think he does show up in later, but I'll get back to that when we get to it. Yeah. So Liza's in the hotel looking around, and she finds the painting that we saw in the opening scene. That this quote-unquote warlock, this evil guy, was painting earlier. A buzzer goes off, and it's from room 36. I have that down as the first jump scare. Oh, nice. Because it scared me and my cat a lot. <laughs> I jumped a lot from that. It was loud. Yeah, and long. I was I was mm-hmm. upset by it. Not by it scaring me so much as it being obnoxious and several too many seconds long. There are quite a few scenes like that through this movie. But <laughs> yeah, it's, I, a, it's an ongoing theme. In my opinion, it helps add to the upsetting just atmosphere. How everything is just off in a little bit and just not right. And I don't like it. I like them using frustration like that. It's like, <laughs> okay, I'm going to give you anxiety, horror. I'm going to stress you out. But I'm going to stress you out in all the different ways you can be stressed, including being frustrated with us. Mm-hmm. It works. At a certain point, too, Liza says it might be Arthur who's messing around up in the other rooms. I was like, who's Arthur? I, apparently, he's one of the groundskeepers, I guess. He came with the hotel. He kind of shows up with uh, Martha, who is another character we'll meet shortly. And they're just hanging around and helping out. Plumber Joe comes by. He's here to help fix the uh, the water problem that Liza mentioned she was having. She has no running water, but the basement is completely flooded. They go on down. It's probably, I don't know, knee height. And out of the shadows walks this woman named Martha. What was she doing down there? She's a weird broad. I mean, yeah. I guess she was. She ends up saying she was making a path for Joe to kind of get to around. Specifically for Joe, not yes. a plumber. That's right. For Joe. And they have kind of like a, a tense moment that's never addressed. Like nope. The yeah. two of them like have this like stare and like look at each other. And then it's over. Yeah, I was convinced that they were they were going to have sex. Really? Yeah, I, yeah. really. I truly I, obviously I didn't know anything about the movie beforehand. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I was I would not have been surprised. I also didn't feel like they were either of them were going to enjoy themselves <laughs> based on either of their demeanors. <laughs> but like, also just as a personal, I I really like Joe right from the get go. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he had the energy of the uh, the not hurried doctor. But in the right setting, yeah. this guy is just a master of his universe. Mm-hmm. He didn't care. He, he, I wrote down a quote. Uh, she asked him how long it was going to take. And he says, I'll take as long as it takes. I'm like, you tell her, King. <laughs> Brian loved him. Oh, he was great. <laughs> Best character. I kind of thought that 
Martha was in on this from from the beginning. I kind of again, it's been a hot minute for me since I've seen this movie. I also just forgot about her character completely. And just the way she kind of approached Joe, you know, I did. I made this for you. It's like, oh, because she's going to lead him to his death because she knows the backstory to this house. But he gave her like a look like, thank you back. Like it was, I I wrote the same connection, meow. (laughs) I don't, maybe I just want to read too much into that. But they were like, it just seemed like a dynamic that never got addressed. Because you never really saw them interact after that. Well, it was a connection that was broken off before it could even begin. Immediately. Joe goes to investigate what's going on in the basement. He wanders over and he finds a wall where there's just water kind of leaking out of. Takes a hammer to it and starts to bust it down. And I think around this time, too, we see uh, we see a symbol that's kind of etched into the wall, which we saw right next to where the warlock gentleman was crucified in the earlier scene. Yeah. Can we just address that this plumber just took down an entire wall? Like a whole brick wall just to find out where a leak might have been coming from. This is Brian's favorite character. I, I love this. <laughs> just for the record. No permission. That could have been a load-bearing wall. He didn't care. He just goes straight for it. As he hammers down this whole wall, he discovers a walled-off area. And a hand shoots out of the wall, grabs him straight in the face. And a finger goes straight into his eye. And his eye pops bleh, right out. Right now, we have death number two. Yeah, that made me jump hard. I yelled. In yeah. our house, I yelled. Yeah, she did. Um, the hand coming out scared me, and then the eyeball made me yell a lot. Um, it was gross. It was gross, but, like, it wasn't realistic enough to really make me sick. Mm-hmm. That it was just like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, my God. <laughs> Rather than like, I can't watch this. Yeah. I was able to actually watch it, which is fun for me because I'm normally not for a horror movie. It's able to like stomach that kind of thing. But it was just insane enough for me to be able to do that. That's got to be a really difficult balance to strike for like a special effects person in a horror movie. Like you've got to make it look convincing, but not so real that it's too upsetting. Yeah. You know? There's the sick fascination where you like you want to look away, but oh man, you gotta you gotta watch the car crash. You know? mm-hmm. At a certain point, it wasn't this part, and it was a couple deaths later on. I start started to wonder myself: Did I pick the right movie for Brian and Margaret? <laughs> <laughs> the I answer. think you actually picked a perfect one because it was oh yeah, it was horrible enough, but also didn't traumatize me. Good. Good, good, good. We'll see. We'll see if the closet door stays open today. (laughs) So we're now shown Liza. She's driving on into town. She's crossing this bridge that is both beautiful and unnecessarily long. It's real. It's the one in in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. It is just as unnerving as it is in that. Mm -hmm. And it's a really good choice for that moment. While she's driving, suddenly a woman appears in the middle of the road with a dog. She pulls the car over because I guess you would. Someone's standing there in the middle of nowhere in the middle of this super long road. She gets out and we learn that this character's name is Emily. She opens her eyes and she is now blind too. This is the same woman that appeared at the very beginning of the movie. Yeah. I was going to ask about that because there's a lot of blonde women in this movie. There (laughs) is. It's great. (laughs) Fantastic. And this is the same woman that the painter actually saw inside of the house. 
She says that she's been looking for Liza. That was strange. Yeah, that that would be the point where I would have just driven off. No, I, I don't think I, I thought about this a lot because my initial instinct was, man, no, to drive around that mess. Mm-hmm. This person standing right in the middle of the road with their dog, just not doing anything. She didn't look concerned. That's bad news. I'm going to get like, but then I'm like, OK, well, yeah, all right. She's seeing eye dog. It'll slow down and see. Like, are you OK? <laughs> the next question but, is, how did you get here? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, because this road Should is I call not somebody? road. It's in the middle. It's over the wetlands. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. no. It's raised. There's water. There's not. It's like not a, a ramp. It's not a here. place for pedestrians. Mm-mm. Yeah, that's a, that's a deliberate dog. choice. Uh, yeah. So it the next few couple scenes confuse the hell out of me. So uh, Liza agrees to give her a ride home, <laughs> and she does. It's a very blonde lady in a horror movie thing to do, being like, "Sure, you're you appeared out of the middle of nowhere and knew my name. <laughs> Hop in the car. Let me take you for a drive." So now we end up cutting back to the hotel, and we have Martha going down into the basement looking for Joe. She finds Joe. He's hunched over. And she pushes him back, and we see his face. His face is just a gross mess, and he has no eyes now. And he, like, opens his mouth, and, like, blood and, frankly, what looks like egg yolk (laughs) comes out of his mouth. (laughs) He's goopy. I had no idea what it was. It it had to be egg yolk. There had to have been some egg yolk. Among other things. And, like, fake blood, but it just, it looked like egg yolk to me. I don't know what it was supposed to be, but then was egg. While she, or after she sees Joe's body, she looks around and then out from the water floats a dead body. Gross. That's right. She also did not seem that worried about Joe being dead. Oh, yeah. And seemed like surprised by the other body. But that's basically, like Joe, she was like, oh, no. The other body, she's like, oh, no. Mm -hmm. She was like totally unconcerned about Joe. She's like, okay, yeah, no, sure, definitely. And she sees this very old corpse, and oh no, that's too much. The older, the worse it is. I think that's why they have expiration dates, you guys. <laughs> you ever have old cheese? <laughs> Same as a dead body. <laughs> exactly. They both probably smell pretty bad. Same stuff. You've changed my mind. <laughs> <laughs> and then just real quick, uh, we have Emily telling Liza to give up the hotel. It's bad news bears. Something terrible is going to happen to you. And then she just wanders off. We're now at the morgue. Somehow, Joe's body has gotten there very quickly. And I guess also the corpse that was found in the water, right? Yeah. Yeah, Okay. I believe that was there, yeah. Joe is also the hairiest man I've ever seen in my entire life. (laughs) Oh my god, yeah. Like a pelt. He was sewing up a bear rug when he was doing that autopsy. So... One of the doctors there, Harris, I think was his name. I don't know why they included this. There was the scene where he wants to use the, like this machine or this gadget that can pick up brainwaves, which, I mean, I guess it kind of builds a little bit of suspense later on in a, in a scene coming up. But that's the only time it really came up. And it kind of barely came up. Yeah. Like, it was. it definitely seemed like it was a, um, a plot point that got left behind yeah to me yeah. and it was like oh we're gonna do look for brain waves on a corpse mm-hmm. he's like you want to do it with, with this old one all right but you're on your own and then it kind of did something and then was just forgotten yeah there was a lot of like that guy just being bored with that machine because it wasn't doing anything mm-hmm. like buddy i think you can let it go <laughs> i know it's a fun toy 
It's called an oscilloscope. I looked that up too. Really? They zoomed in on like the model number, so I Googled it. Oh, nice. Yeah, it detects <laughs> like it detects electrical activity. That's fucking awesome. But oh boy, that was a reach. <laughs> and just like if if you're gonna test a brainwave thing on a corpse, a why? Mm-hmm. And B, maybe don't do it on the one that no longer looks like a human being. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I get like if you're maybe concerned because there are uh, like compounds that make somebody look like they're dead mm-hmm. or whatever. Maybe they're in a coma and there's very, very little brain activity and you think maybe they're dead. I guess things like that happen. But like, come on. That one was underwater and supposedly died like what was it six months ago or something? They said they said six years. Oh, they, years! See, that's what confused more. me. Why I was like, was this the body that they found? Where did they get the six years number? I have no well, idea. I, I assume that was like an estimate. I don't think like, like carbon dating a, the corpse or anything. Just like they based just said on it was its, so much authority, and then it never was like, oh, actually, it's sixty years old. Whoa! Like uh, it was yeah. just they're like, oh, well, it's a six-year-old body. You sure you want to test on there? I was like. Do it on Joe. Is it? Yeah, yeah Joe honestly. Like, did you? Did you? Just we gotta make Joe? sure he he just lost his eyes. Yeah. we don't know he's dead. But yeah, that part uh-huh. just kind of confused me a little bit too. Because maybe I'm assuming that the corpse got preserved with I don't know hell magic or something because he was crucified. The, the painter. Yeah. That was my only kind of explanation and my confused thought about that scene. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, there certainly was uh, the element of the supernatural already into this movie. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's that's kind of where I was at. I just feel like there was a lot of like, expe- like making a, like you make the jump. You make the jump. Just, you know what we're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Anyway, pop that guy's eyeballs. Here we on. go. <laughs> like, you're not here to check our work. Yeah. We know why you're here. Exactly. Then they're right. So at this time as well, Joe's wife, Marianne, and his child, Jill, show up. Uh, I loved how easily they were able to just waltz right into the morgue with nobody around. She just opens the door and goes right in. But nobody locks that door? No. Honestly. Apparently not. It said, do not entry in big letters. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> do not entry. Don't it said, do it. Do not entry, Marianne. She's like, that doesn't mean me. And I go. But she did leave the kid outside. She so. did. That good for her. Yeah, that was appropriate. She was like, "You're not supposed to go in here, Jill." Yeah, I will, but not you. She dresses the corpse, and she's getting it ready for the funeral. I have a question for you two. When she walked into this room, did she not see the dead corpse next to Joe at first? That was my question. Yeah, she looked right at it. Yes, <laughs> she looked right at it and was like, mm, "God." Anyway, and went to her hairy husband. Yep. She definitely looked at okay, it. Okay, good. Because I was like, wow, no reaction to that horrible thing? Yeah. You're braver than me, girl. So in, in between the scene of her getting uh, Joe's corpse all dressed up, we flash out to Jill and she's sitting on the bench. And this goes to one of those shots that you were talking about, Brian, that go for a little bit too long that are upsetting. Yeah. We have a doctor wheeling a cart down the hallway and it's just screeching uh, and it's just yeah. loud. And also scared me and my cats. <laughs> <laughs> it's on the list. That was the scene I'd actually have in my notes just because I liked that it was something that made me feel uncomfortable as it kind of set up the next scene, which jumping straight into was when Marianne turns around and apparently sees the corpse next to Joe for the very first time. But yeah, she like but, looked over the corpse. Yeah, she, she was looking behind corpse. it. She like turned around from her husband, looks at the corpse, then looks up like there's something behind it. Mm-hmm. Which is like And fine. then screams. Yeah. But make it more clear. It's just confusing. Like, what did she well, see? 
maybe it's supposed to be ambiguous that it's like, oh, she saw something. What was it? Mm-hmm. But they never address it again. I rewound that like three times just to yeah. see if maybe oh, yeah. like if she did look at the body when she first walked in. She did. Definitely. And did. then where her eyes were kind of glancing when she and turned she around. Definitely looked. She looked past up. it. Mm hmm. And we never find out what she saw. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That gooey corpse is hard to miss. Yeah. <laughs> and she again looked at it was like mm, gross and moved on to the next thing. Again, we roll we roll back the tape. <laughs> so yeah, maybe she saw something supernatural. Did she? Uh, okay, here's a theory. I have no basis for this, but it's the only rational explanation. I maybe she saw the oscilloscope react. But we would have heard a beep. Maybe they would have. That's a good point. And yeah. like, there's really no, you know, they don't show. That. You have to take a leap to get to the to get there. Obviously. Again, we know why you're here. You're not yeah. here to f- see what she right. sees. You're here to watch her get her face melted. Honestly, yeah, that's that's really solidifies the point. Like, who cares? Who cares why? We're just setting something up. Yeah. And also, the scope was right next to the corpse's head. She <laughs> was looking again, much more up. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah. Maybe it was a ghost or a spirit or something. Who can say exactly? But they don't let you know. That's for sure. So Marianne sees this corpse and just starts screaming it. We we haven't established what, but she does. She screams so loud. Well, she faints, but I guess she screams so loud that she managed to knock a bottle of acid conveniently left out. (laughs) Someone who's in charge of securing the acid in that hospital is getting fired. Just that whole hospital is no security. OSHA Uh, is shutting that shit down. Yeah, I couldn't let that one go. That was insane. What the hell? Yeah. Who stores a big glass jar of of very strong acid on a high shelf all by itself? We're about a wobbly high shelf. I mean, we're not morticians. We don't know. That's true. I'm 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 not a practicing. (laughs) Uh, He's not licensed. For any morticians out there, if you can uh, tell us about your bottle of acid that you leave uncorked, please, please leave us a comment. Does it need to breathe? Like maybe uh, like wine. Exactly. Before, you know, Just pour a little bit. decanting their acid. <laughs> so Jill hears Marianne scream. She goes into the room. And this is when we see the acid just pouring right onto Marianne's face. And it is very cool. We have death number three on our hands here i have four Ooh, who was the I've, four? we were counting the painter yeah oh. we counted the painter like right. the 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 warlock so i have the painter as one i have joe as two. Oh, but we had the the warlock as the first death the guy who got beat with the chains oh uh, he's the he's the painter in, in my notes oh and then we had the house painter Oh, but I had it. I had a okay. death dismemberment because we don't know. Yeah, we weren't. We weren't sure. That was a, in retrospect. We adjusted the count. Yeah. All right. We'll call it death number. We'll call it. We'll call it death number four. Then we have Marianne's face just melting and bubbling up with blood kind of spewing out. And it looked fucking beautiful. Yeah. The blood geysers mm-hmm. of just like oh. bursting. Blah, blah. Oh, it was gnarly. <laughs> it was really gross. It really undoes all of that stuff that you said from the first, the painter death, mm-hmm. um, where everything's all sepia and it's like, oh, it's not like too, too graphic. <laughs> Marianne's death undoes that. Mm-hmm. Oh, it is yeah. like very, very bloody, very face melty. Gross. There were also scenes where we see Jill's legs and her feet 
and like the blood is just thick and it's slowly coming towards her. Yeah. I really like that because it's yeah, that was cool. so gross and upsetting. It looks like a cherry icy. I have that in my notes <laughs> too. <laughs> yeah. It's, it had to be what they used. It's so gross. <laughs> it's really validating. Yeah. So Jill's just, she's freaking out. She's running around the room trying to open doors. Nothing's opening. Until finally, she lucks out and she opens up a door, and there's a body or a couple bodies inside. Bodies. Yep. And she starts screaming and losing it. And then it goes to my favorite transition in the entire movie. Which which one? It's Jill screaming, and it like freezes it, but it's still the sound for screaming. And then it turns into a jazz player wailing on the track. <laughs> I laughed so hard. It was so like irreverent, like totally dismissive of her her incredibly traumatic experience of just like turning into some like jazz wailing in the milkshake bar. Now we have Dr. John and Eliza meeting up in town. They're out on a little date. Dr. John starts to ask Eliza a little bit about her past, where she comes from and what she's been up to. She's from New York City. She seems to be uh, doing a little bit of everything, which is fun. And she ends up inheriting this house from a rich uncle of hers and she's kind of on her last straw now this is all she has going for her so she needs to stick it out and she can't really leave this hotel dr john gets a call and we have the transition to jill at the cemetery burying both joe and marianne we see a quick little glance of emily with her dog and she disappears the shot finally ends with Jill opening up her eyes. She has now been blinded and has those creepy, just yellow, starry eyes. You know, I was more concerned about everyone else in that scene. Was no one taking her home? Yeah. All these <laughs> apparently family, like, giving her hugs and, oh, feeling very bad and just walking the other way. Yeah, the, the priest is like, have courage, my child, and then, and then just leaves dips. her in the cemetery. <laughs> <laughs> this poor abandoned girl. I kind of thought Eliza, or Eliza was going to take her for a second there. Right. Yeah. And I was going to be like, well, Liza, what are you doing? You, you have this hotel now, and then you're taking on this child. But no, Eliza's just like, sorry. She gave her well. a kiss and then just kept walking. <laughs> yeah. I like, it was so brief, her interaction with her, that I I have it written down. Is that is that Liza, question mark? Because it was so, like, really quick, like, mm, oh, mm, bye. Yep. Jill's here on her own. So the basement's still flooded, too. Yeah. Joe did not do a good job. Joe's dead. He did a bad job. Yeah, hey, man. <laughs> don't don't speak ill of the dead. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I, I he was, forget. He was such a good guy. He did his best. The Joe fan club is, is alive <laughs> and well. So one night, Emily ends up showing up just randomly in the hotel she starts asking Liza, why didn't you leave? Now I have to tell you everything. And we get a bit of exposition backstory here. We learn that the painter's name was Schweck. Am I saying that right? Schweck. 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 Here's me butchering more names. <laughs> Schweck. How many different languages are they going to throw at us, though? <laughs> Let's be honest. Schweck, did you say? Schweck. Schweck. We learned that the painter's name was Schweck. I'm having a rough time. <laughs> the painter's name was Schweck, and he knew all about the gateways to hell and this hotel that was built on top of one of them. Which I, I was really thrilled about that. I, I was so ready to hear all the lore. I wanted to know why everybody thought this guy was a warlock and everything. Like, 
Well, what did he do? Like, what was up with this guy? Like, tell me everything. Yeah, I feel like I wanted a little bit more uncovered about what the actual situation was and less of, like, why does Liza have the hotel? Mm-hmm. I was like, I want to know where this hotel came from first, not why you have it, girl. I guess we don't really learn where the hotel came from, no. huh? No. Man. We just get more questions. Yeah. We learned that everyone in the hotel uh, on that same night ended up disappearing and Emily's spider sense ends up going off. She says, we blind see things more clearly Mm -hmm. and then says that she senses, feels a presence. She finds the painting. Is that correct? She kind of wanders over Mm -hmm. to it and starts touching it and blood comes onto her hands. Yeah. She winds up with blood on her hands. At the same moment as well. The buzzer goes off, room 36. Did we have another jump oh, scare? Oh, of course. Every time that <laughs> thing went off, I peed the couch. Every time. So as every main character in a horror movie does, Liza does not believe any of this. She says that she doesn't believe in ghosts because she lived in, in New York City. <laughs> she specifically says, I'm from New York. Mm-hmm. I don't believe in ghosts. Girl. The first thing she learned. Yeah. Ghosts aren't real. Got it. This is the take the red line. Ghosts aren't real. If she'd been in New York a little bit longer, she would have experienced the events of Ghostbusters. She would have had a much different, a much different Very reaction. embarrassing for her. Yeah. <laughs> no, she has no idea who to call. So after Emily touches the picture and her hands are bleeding, she freaks out and she just sprints off into the night. And they have a really weird little scene yes. with that. Yes. That I don't understand. I do. It, this is the first time I finally understood yeah. it. It occurred to me today. I started talking to you about it, remember? And I was like, nope, I should just save, save it for today. Yeah. What do you what do you think, Brian? Oh, yeah. So this seems very confusing uh, initially because, yeah, because uh, I don't remember their names. Emily, uh, Emily runs out. off. Right. And Liza chases after her. And then Liza's just standing in the doorway, just recalling Emily running away. Uh, we counted how many times? Many was times. It? It was like it was five times. Four, I think five times she sees Emily running, and yeah. twice she sees herself chasing. Yeah. Yes. And I, it occurred to me that the important thing to take away from that was the sound. The sound. Yes. Oh, Emily's not making any sound. Exactly. Emily right. and the dog were but both silent. She did oh. not. Ex- she wasn't wasn't real. She wasn't actually there. Okay, that's actually really yeah. cool. <laughs> I'm like a goose bumpy. That's really fun. It was like cool, but like was not clear enough. Like if it took it takes you like twenty four hours to oh you know like, come on it took me more time than that I saw <laughs> yeah, this like <laughs> fucking fifteen years ago yeah the last it, time it, I watched it was months the oh, more I I, the more I think about this movie the more I realize that you'd get a lot more from it a second or third time round like all the lore and little clues everywhere I'm like oh okay I think it's starting to put together but everything's very very confusing the mm-hmm. first time round yeah it really it's not. There's certain things that I feel like it's very handholdy and other things where it's like, you're on your own, dog. Yeah. You're swimming Figure in the deep out. end. <laughs> yeah. Figure it out or don't. I don't care. This was one of those movies where I saw that scene as just being a weird scene for the sake of being weird, if that makes sense. It's like there's That's some what yeah. I thought it was. bizarre right. things going on. Let's just have this kind of funny shot of her running away, remembering it a second after, you know, but I've come to appreciate that again so much more now. I even wrote in my notes that that. Emily was running silently. I just didn't. <laughs> I had all the puzzle pieces. I just didn't put them together. Yeah, it just seemed like a weird art house thing. To exactly. Do, you know? like, yeah. Oh. 
It's very dramatic because you can't hear. <laughs> I also wrote, I don't understand the symbolism. Am I dumb? <laughs> <laughs> so the next day, Liza decides to break into room 36 using a tiny axe. She's cer- I said, yes, that's how we do it in NYC, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Just bust down that door. And hatchet that thing open. So she makes it inside and she finds the Book of Abon inside there. It's all covered in dust. And as she's looking at the book, a closet door. Going back to what you're saying, Margaret. Mm-hmm. Mysteriously and creepily starts to close or open behind her. That actually really scared me. Yeah. I wrote, I was like, I was like, this house is from the 1800s. It's superhuman. We're in the South. It, there's a million reasons for this door to be creaking. And I was like, oh, I'm on edge. Mm-hmm. Edgy. Also, she was specifically instructed to not go into that room. Mm. And then she did anyway. Yeah. Which added to the whole spooky thing. Yeah. You know, I was like, oh, no, this place is bad. It's bad. And then, oh, man, doors just moving by itself. That's not OK. She makes her way into the bathroom. And what does she see? She sees something terrifying. Awful. Mm-hmm. It's Schweck. Did I say it right that nailed time? It. Yeah, nailed it. Right, yeah. Speaking of nailed it, man, I'm killing with these transitions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We see Schweck. He is nailed up in the bathroom, again, with the nails through his wrists, and he's just the rotted corpse. Yeah, that because the, they hit the lightning and the thunder right at the same time, too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I very much think that like the creaky door set up the alley-oop for me, because mm-hmm. that actually made me jump. Brian turned to me. He's like, did you just jump? And I'm like, you bet I did. Um, but the creaky door like set me just the right amount on edge. Uh-huh. And I do really like horror when that happens in horror movies is that like, and I always know it's coming, but it doesn't matter because it's, it's hitting like the primal part of me of just like, it turns me into an edgy animal and then it surprises <laughs> me and I jump and it's foolproof and it's really well done every time. And they did a good job in this one. I love to do that. It was like the middle of the day. And then in my notes, it just says lightning, lots of lightning. And it was like, <laughs> sunny. we just saw sunrise, <laughs> yeah. with no clouds. Like, where did that come from? We get a nice Hell. little fun music cue as well there. So she fucking books it out of that room and she ends up running into John who came by Dr. John, excuse me, who came by to, to see her. And of course, lightning has stopped. They go back up into room 36, and there's nothing there except for the nails left in the wall. I wrote that he's very much giving her the, like, women, am I right, look the entire time. She's, <laughs> he's like, oh, you're crazy. You're being hysterical. Yes. He shows up just in time for the house to gaslight her. Yeah. <laughs> I also, <laughs> to rewind just a tiny bit, when she yeah. finds the book, mm-hmm. she, like, gasps like she knows what it is. And I don't think there was any reason up until that point for her to have known what that book was. Yeah. I we did. That too. And Emily did, but she never had any interaction with that book. When she finds it, she goes, Oh, mm-hmm. and finds this book. And I'm like, girl, it's a book to you. That's just a book. You don't know anything about that. Maybe she's never seen a book before. She's never seen a book in her life. <laughs> what is this? She's illiterate. <laughs> what is those words? She lived in New Letters? York. She doesn't know how to, re- she doesn't need to know to read. God, no. She gets by on her charm and good looks. <laughs> And not believing in ghosts. Exactly. And hatchets. Uh, so like you were saying, Dr. John is just kind of dismissing her, being like silly woman. And she kind of starts to believe him a little bit. She thinks she, maybe she's going a little bit insane and says that 
Emily came by to visit her the night before and that her stories are starting to get to her a little bit. Dr. John goes, who's Emily? What are you talking about? Yeah, there's no Emily. And she says, yeah, there is. And she lives on that house, you know, on the corner in town. And says, no, I, I know everyone here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he says, I know everyone in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. There's no one there. First of all, impressive. Also, yikes. He made a comment like that as well when he was with Liza eating their uh, milkshakes and all that. When Liza brings up Martha and Arthur, he's like, I don't I don't know them. And I know everybody here. All right, John. Excuse me, Dr. John. Mr. Mr. Popular. (laughs) And that kind of also made me think that Martha and Arthur were kind of part of this like hell type deal. She said they came with the house. Yeah. Like like furniture. That's what made me think like groundskeepers. Then maybe they were there helping out originally and they've been. Which is always a red flag. Yeah. Then there's like a little tiny scene. I don't know if we're mentioning this. But after he's like, Emily doesn't exist, there is like a two minute long scene of just Emily playing piano in her house. Oh, yeah. And her dog not liking it. Yeah. That's it. (laughs) I was like ready to write more things. I was like, oh, no. Oh, I guess we're done with that scene. And there's a lot of those. Yeah, she's she's playing that piano. There's actually a few kind of scenes that just are shoved together at at this part. Emily's playing the piano. We have Liza. She the book goes missing when she tries to show it to Dr. John and she ends up seeing it later on in town at a bookstore or she thinks she does. She goes into this bookstore. It's no longer there. We have this creepy. Just <laughs> giggle puss. Yeah. Book owner. Yeah. Bookstore owner. Weirdo. Who never comes back. <laughs> nope. That was really good. That was a really good impression of that. It was <laughs> Thank just you. Like, Thank you. And he's like, we don't see what he's laughing at. He's like visibly annoyed that she is present for his giggling. He has disturbed, been disturbed by her showing up. He stops <laughs> laughing, looks at her comments, and then he just goes back to his book and goes back to laughing. Very strange character. On top of that, we also have Arthur going into the basement to start doing repairs on that wall. And we get 10 uninterrupted seconds of him stirring cement, and then it cuts away. It's like we were really there with him. (laughs) Real time. While Liza's going to the bookstore and all that, she's talking to her friend Martin, and he's talking about continuing to make renovations to the hotel to help make it better. He's going to add like a game room and all this kind of stuff. And he needs to get the plans from Town Hall of the original hotel so he can do all this. He ends up going to Town Hall and we get a fun little cameo of the director. He oh, is. No way. Yeah, huh? yeah. He's the gentleman who shows Martin into the into the where the maps are. <laughs> and he's the one who locks And he's him like, in. yeah, I'm going to take my lunch. Yeah. You saw that we protested about this. You can't keep me here. I'm taking my break. Yeah. Which like we love workplace <laughs> boundaries. Good yeah. for him. Down with the bourgeois. Comrade. Yeah. But that's the director. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's so funny. He was a great little character. He sure was. And like you said, he just locks him in there because, you know, we don't want anyone bothering you. You'll be fine. That's amazing. Martin, of course, has to get the plans off of a high shelf. And as is pretty common in this movie, we have midday lightning, which makes him fall right off of this stool that he's on. And I guess he paralyzes himself because we have death number five here. And it is honestly very upsetting. It was brutal. It was. And long. Yes. When you were talking about how this movie, like because it was the like 
unrated the, director's cut, mm-hmm. you were like, oh, it's like two minutes shorter. They just like cut down some of the girls. Like, I know exactly where they cut it down mm-hmm. because this scene was so long. It was mm-hmm. gratuitous. Yep. Brutal. So Martin has fallen off. I think he's paralyzed because as he's lying on the ground, just a million spiders start fucking coming out of the woodwork. Most of them were real. Yeah. And they were (laughs) there were a lot of puppet ones. But really? (laughs) (laughs) I I couldn't tell. I thought there were some spiders that their their eggs don't touch the ground. Mm, mm. And they don't move at all. Yeah. Yeah. The the juxtaposition of the perfectly real tarantulas and then the just like wiggling Halloween spider next to it. (laughs) Again, with the suspension of disbelief, they're like, you know what we're fucking talking about. Like, you know what we mean. It was great. So we have the spiders and again we have the sound effects. I think it's like the screeching originally. Like I had yeah. I heard bird sounds, the I chains. Thought was, I thought it was rats. Rats. Mm-hmm. Just a combination. Uh, of I heard that squeaky cart again. Mm-hmm. So I think uh-huh. there might have been a little bit of callback to that. And then there was also a really funky beat. Yeah. Yeah. Again, the score just on point. Spectacular. Yeah. So the spiders are crawling all over Martin and he opens up his eyes. So he can clearly see what's going on, but he's not moving. Hence me thinking he's just paralyzed and they just start taking chunks out of him. They start taking like his lip, his cheek. And then we have a shot. It's an inside shot of his mouth. So Uh you see like the teeth and it's from the side. And then you see a spider just bite into it. And there's just blood. And pull his eye out too. Oh yeah. Yeah. We get to that too. We have a spider just fucking rip his eye out. And yeah, it looks like a, he's pulling out a cold cut out of his eye socket. <laughs> really gross. I think one of my favorite parts of it is because they did have the fake spiders and the real spiders. And obviously the fake spiders are the ones doing the violence. Um, and the the real spiders are visibly afraid of the violence that's happening. Like at one point, one of the fake ones bites into his fake nose and the real tarantula next to it jumps and kind of scuttles away. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, I'm not no, into that. I'm out of here. Oh, I didn't see it that. It made me laugh so hard. I love tarantulas in general, and it was just very, because they're sweet little creatures. Do you? I do. Oh, okay. They're sweet little things. I'm absolutely terrified of spiders. <laughs> so is Brian. I am too. I'm, oh, I'm a huge arachnophobic. Yeah. But, you know, I, this is the down point to the whole whole movie. I know this was supposed to freak out arachnophobes. Uh-huh. Did nothing for me. You know, same here. And usually they weren't real spiders. Yeah, that was definitely a factor. And also tarantulas. I don't know. They're just not that scary. I, I uh, yeah, I'm afraid of like small spiders. I, sure. I don't know what it is, but I think it's because like a big enough spider. I know how to engage that. You just step you just over kick it. it. Yeah. Or you, you, you just know? kick it. <laughs> That's fine. Just like it's not going to kick it <laughs> because it, yeah, you're, you're not going to like it's not going to pop, you know, and you just get like on you. Like mm-hmm. That's gross and unacceptable, but it, it's you're going to punt it. It's going to go away. What That's if okay. it latches onto your foot? It, that won't happen. Okay. <laughs> I won't allow it. <laughs> I, I willed that to not be. I simply just wouldn't allow it. Yeah. Not in my reality. <laughs> yeah. I, like I said, I hate spiders as well. And even like the shots where it was the real ones, I was not as creeped out as I have been by spiders. And I don't know why. Maybe, maybe I'm growing up. Ah. Uh, Character me. character development. <laughs> character development with spiders. That scene made me think of you guys because I actually wasn't sure how both of you felt about spiders. Oh, I, like, I, I, like, I don't like it. I mean, I'm fine. I'm the spider catcher mm-hmm. in our dynamic. Gross. I remove the spiders from our our abode. Kill it. Um, yeah, I, I can't handle it. I'm I'm 
I don't like spiders, but I am not arachnophobic. Sure. Um, tarantulas in specifically, I've like held them and like Ooh. interacted with them. Um, totally fine with them. Cause mm-hmm. they're like, I feel like this is really dumb, but I feel like a tarantula is closer to like a guinea pig than it is to like spiders that are living in my house. That is strangely gross, but I kind of see where you're coming you know from. I mean, they're just like, they're like fearful little hairy things. It's they're, the hairy part that weirds me out, but I'm like, yeah, I guess <laughs> I see it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. But it's, it, I thought it was very funny that in this, the fake spiders were so violent and the, the real spiders were like, oh, oh no, this is icky. Cause they don't like being, things being on their feet. And they just like trying to get away from the blood. It was very funny to watch. Yeah. That was just such a long scene and it was awful and both great at the same time. Yeah. I timed uh, some of the more gratuitous scenes. Of course. Because it was, I got to know how long that is. <laughs> this one. Oh, wow. It was three and a half minutes long. What was the start Which, time for you? Oh, I didn't write that down. I'm sorry. No, no, you're fine. Like, I'm assuming maybe it's like as soon as the spiders started crawling out from underneath oh, oh, everything. Oh, yeah. Like, when, yeah. When did the clock start? Yeah. yeah. When when the spiders were in the background, kind of blurry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the clock stopped when it panned away from them. Yep. To the weirdest scene, I think, in the whole film to With me. The book? Yeah. Yeah. Because it, yeah, it, it pans over to the floor plan of the hotel, I mm-hmm. assume, that was, oh, startling revelation for mm-hmm. some reason. Uh, and it like slowly vanished in pieces mm-hmm. and d- disappeared from the page. Mm-hmm. Don't understand it even a little bit. I see that as, well, he saw it for a quick second and he was like, what the fuck? And it's clearly much more or it's much bigger than what we're actually shown. So he's now finding out that there's more to this building. Maybe this is like part of the passageway to hell. We're seeing the original structure. That's interesting. That's and what I got because it also disappeared in stages. Yes. Like at first it was like, okay, you see this whole thing and then maybe a third of it disappeared and then the whole thing disappeared. So I, I feel like that was like this signal that like, okay, there is way more to this on this original floor plan than we're actually seeing. And also it's none of your business. Yeah. I just really wish they would have explored that a little more. Like I want to know the little facets mm-hmm. like it's it's a big part of uh, of horror i think in american horror in particular and maybe other cultures too i'm not totally sure i'm not a professional here uh but like the rules are very important mm-hmm. this movie doesn't seem to care it says hey your rules throw them out the window this ain't your grandpappy's i guess it is actually a grandpappy's horror movie <laughs> <laughs> well i think it was like i think the thing that i really did like and we can probably talk about this more as we like get through the rest of this is that there's a lot of threads that it offered up that I wanted to pull. Yeah. But I feel like it might've been too many and mm-hmm. they're like, no interest in unre- unveiling much more for me. It's like, let's just go to the next one. How about that? And that's why I got kind of got excited when I, when that, when I found out that it was like a second in the, tr- in a trilogy, mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, maybe there is more than right. we're going to cover, but if they're unrelated, now- it's like, no, you get to know what I want to tell you. And that's it. Figure it out. The other ones are very similar to the whole. It's just a bit of a disjointed kind of hollabaloo of nonsense happening and gore Popping everywhere. Popping balls out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tight. But tight, I tight. think they're all also very, very fun. But <laughs> this one is the one I've seen the most. And I think, well, probably my favorite of the three. But the other two are still very good. Mm-hmm. So we also have a scene of Dr. John going to investigate the house that Liza says Emily lives in. 
and it is just as abandoned as he thought it was. It clearly looks like no one has been there for many, many years. Everything's covered in dust. The bookcases, the shelves, everything's just been knocked to the floor. Oh, it's boarded up. Yeah, yeah, he has to break in. But he ends up finding the book of Abon in there. Yeah, I was hyped about that. I was like, oh, shit, the book. He found the book. He sure did. <laughs> and he decides to start reading into it, and he starts learning about some of these stories that Liza has been telling him. Now we have Martha going up to room 36. She... She seems just to be kind of upset about everything when she's in she's there. She's real annoyed by all the dust. And <laughs> yeah. like, I was like, girl, you're a housekeeper. You know what you got into. And she's like, oh, God, this, like pulling things off. He's like, oh, my job. To Hucking, be fair, I've I been mean, there before. Yeah, same. <laughs> Never mind. She's yeah. a very relatable character. Yeah. So she does the same thing that Liza does and makes her way into the bathroom. We see no crucified body. Instead, we see a bathtub filled with gross, just shit. Maybe this is going back to like the grudge and the ring. Mm -hmm. But I was like about to like walk out (laughs) of the room for that scene when I was like, I was like, if she reaches in that bathtub, I'm going to cry. And guess what? She just she did. She rolled up up those sleeves. sleeves. You know what? She may complain about her job, but she still does it. Respect to you, Martha. Yeah. Couldn't be me. She puts her hand straight in there and pulls out just a bunch of hair and guh, and she even goes bleh. I am really glad that nothing grabbed her in the bathtub. Mm-hmm. That like, the I was time. very, my whole body was ready for it, mm-hmm. and it didn't happen, and I was very grateful. So I was like, anything that happens after this, I don't care, because I am so relieved that we didn't get exactly what I thought I would. Well, be careful what you wish for. <laughs> <laughs> After she pulls out that shit, the tub begins to drain, and we see dun, 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 the return of Brian's favorite character. Yay, Joe. We got Joe somehow in this tub, and he is looking pretty gross. He stands up. Zombie Joe comes at her. He grabs her face, and he starts just pushing it straight towards one of the nails that was left up, and he pushes her head straight through it, resulting in death number six. And we have another eyeball popping scene. They really love to just pop those things out, don't Mm -hmm. they? They're so easy to pop out, I guess. We also (laughs) measured this because it pushes, uh, I was like measuring this on Brian's head, how long the nail was Mm -hmm. to be able to push the eyeball out Mm -hmm. as far as it did. That nail would have had to be like a foot long Mm -hmm. and it was maybe three inches out of the wall. So it definitely would have killed her. I don't think it would have popped the eyeball out. I love that it did. (laughs) Which is, I don't know what that's saying about me as a non-horror fan, but it was very, like, silly. I think it says something good. That's good. Character development. So I may have been wrong about my theory about Joe and Martha, but Joe still wound up nailing her. (laughs) Hey-oh! So now we start to catch up with what Emily is up to. Emily is back in her house, which is all nice and furnished as it has been as we've seen before, even though we saw Dr. John in there and it was destroyed. Very weird. And she starts to sense something is wrong. Yeah, they do a really cool close zoom on her that I really liked. This like zooming in really close and tight on her as she's like calling out to whatever she thinks is in her house. Mm -hmm. Um, I really like it because I feel like it, we don't get to see either. Um, like she can't see she's blind and we get this kind of like simulated 
isolation experience that she mm-hmm. has to it's like i want them to pan out so i can see what she's afraid of but i don't get to any more than she does mm-hmm. uh, it was very well done so as she's wandering around we see zombie Shvek hanging out in the background she gets into a corner and she starts calling out saying things like you can't take me back i won't go with you i haven't seen or said anything and I was like, what is happening? Because again, we saw her early on in 1921, correct? 27. 1927. So is she a ghost? Is she a time traveler? Weird shit's going on. Now, let me ask you to this question, because I was very confused about this. We kind of have a wide shot and we see multiple bodies surrounding her in her house. We have Svek. We have Marianne. We have Joe, we have Martin, and then we have this gentleman who I have no idea who he was. Never seen him. Never uh, <laughs> seen him. I have pictures in my notes. And we're talking about the the, the guy they like close up like, on close his shot. face, and he has like a mustache. Uh-huh. Right. And he's and just not very thick uh, facial hair. Yeah, he had nothing wrong, like any deformities, just he was pale. Yeah, clearly yeah. dead. Clearly. And I was like, is... Is this Arthur? Did he die off screen at some point when he was down in that basement fixing up that wall? Or was this the painter? We paused and like, yeah, the, the painter is who yeah. we thought. Because we were like, who painter. are the deaths yeah. that we The house painter, seen? correct, yeah. And and honestly, the painter. Because we had Shvek, who's the, 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 the artist, artist, the warlock. There we go. We have Martha, Marianne. The, wait, the people who have already died? Yeah. Yeah. Yep, Martha, Marianne. Martha was there. Marianne, Joe, and the painter. The house painter. Like the house painter. But I don't think we ever saw the house painter pronounced dead. No. The only no. thing was that milkshake scene. Mm-hmm. Dr. John says to Liza, oh, with all the bodies they've found, are you going to stick around? She's like, what do you mean? He's like, the bodies, like Joe and the house painter. Oh. It's the only mention yeah. that we get that that man might have died. Interesting. And And if it is supposed to be the painter... That is a different man. It did not look like him. It doesn't look like anybody <laughs> that we've seen. He's a mystery death to me, but they they expect us to know who he is because they zoom tight in on him. Well, whoever that man is, he's part of this zombie attack squad that has invaded Emily's house. She ends up getting her dog to attack zombie Svek, which was pretty cool. It was sick, but I was like, that is not a very good seeing eye dog. <laughs> she was like, at first, the dog does not care. Nope. Just like lying down on the ground and finally comes over. I was like, oh, actually, he's a good boy. Um, and then she screams attack. And I was like, oh, never mind. Not a good boy. And she's or yelling at over and over. Attack, attack, attack. Wild. And you that- know what? I, I feel like Emily obviously knows more about the situation than we do. True. But objectively speaking, who's the, the aggressor? They were just standing there. And she was just like, no, I don't want to go back. And they're just, just being, doing, doing zombie things. They're just standing stark still. And uh-huh. then she attacks them with her dog. That dude looked like he got attacked pretty hard, too. Yeah. In the zombie that was suit. a B&E, baby. They walked into her house. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. So the dog, who we learn his name is Dickie. She actually brought that name up a few times. I'm like, who's Dickie? Who are you talking about? <laughs> That's the dog, apparently. What are you talking about, girl? <laughs> she's Good like, boy, Dickie. Oh. She's like, it. I'm not alone at home. I'm there with Dickie. And I'm like, I, I don't know who that is. <laughs> and then finally I learned who it was at this point. <laughs> Mystery solved. Yeah. 
the dog attacks the zombie Svek, and they end up just retreating, disappearing into the nothingness. She's okay for now. Or so we is think. She? I wrote, Dickie is the MVP. He is a good boy. And I had to cut it <laughs> off because that's what happened. Yeah. I don't know what happened necessarily, but this dog just turns immediately on Emily and it tears out her throat, which is brutal. brutal. Yeah. Like Whoa. that was just intense. First the throat and then the ear. <laughs> they were yeah. the ear off. Yeah. Um, I do think my, my running theory with why the dog mauled her is that she like his job was to attack ghosts and monsters. Interesting. And she was one. A ghost and a monster. Or whatever the hell they all are. Mm-hmm. Zombies. Um, and since we've established that she's been around for 50 years looking good for the most part, um, that she was like, attack them, attack the monsters. And Dickie's like, copy that boss. But she was under that like list. Can do. You're going down. Yep. Copy that. Bite your ear off. So I do have a little bit of a fun fact here for you about that oh, scene. Yes. So many people have assumed Emily's brutal death from her seeing eye dog biting her throat and ear off as gratuitous violence. Uh, however, this was intended to be a visual, albeit gory, interpretation of the phrase, see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. She was blinded from the view of hell and she was killed in such a brutal manner due to her warning to Liza. That's cool. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That's neat. Also, who's complaining about that scene being the gratuitous violence when we just watch a spider eat a man's face? Honestly, that that one was very mercifully short. Yeah. Really? I think like that one was in my eyes. That was when I even said to myself or out loud, I was like, oh, fuck. That one really got me, but not in a bad way. Just I thought that was the most brutal of them so far. Yeah. yeah, I feel like the spider one got me more. It was certainly very brutal. Like it was really bloody and visceral and mm-hmm. horrible, but. But I'd be dis- I was desensitized by then. Yeah, I watched truly. Martha's eyeball popped out. I was like, whatever. Yeah, this is what the second I've seen pop out. Yeah, it's I've got seen nothing. Lot- <laughs> She's like the second lady I've seen murdered today. Whatever. At a certain point, too, we have Doctor John. He ends up taking the book with him, and he's reading it, finding out more about these stories that that Liza has been hearing. Liza ends up returning back to the hotel. She ends up going in the basement. And we have another death on our hands here that we that must have appeared off screen. We have Arthur popping out of the water and grabbing her and trying to bring her down. Going back to what we were just saying, this character, Arthur, does not look like that strange man. No. Part of the zombie squad. And he wasn't dead yet. Or I mean, was we, we he? Don't know. We, we don't, we don't know, know when we he don't died. Know anything about Arthur. Yeah. I have them written down as Marth and Arthur in my notes. Oh, cute. <laughs> Mother and son. Yeah. I, I was actually not totally convinced that Arthur even died. He like just when, when he had, when he attacked uh, Liza. Where he at though? Well, I don't know. I don't know yeah. what this deal is. He was a weird dude to begin with. It's true. But like when he attacked her, fine. He, he was just like a dude just popping out of the water. There didn't seem to be any like special effects, makeup, make him look like he'd been killed. Nah, he just looked. Wet. He looked healthy and scared. Weird. He looked scared. Oh, he, to me. The whole time he was scared. Yeah, he was a sweaty, anxious man. He was just very sweaty to begin with. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I know it's like, the South, buddy, but yeah. like, mop it up. He, he was introduced like uh, when the, the house painter was injured. I uh-huh. thought he was just, oh, he's so, such a sweet guy. He was so concerned mm-hmm. about this poor injured person in this hotel. No, he's just like that 24-7. Constantly. He looks freshly beaten. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Misted. 
Uh, maybe he just like fell into the water and Liza was conveniently crossing that little bridge and he jumped out to grab air and he found her and then she just kicks him back in. Oh, it's like a misunderstanding. <laughs> exactly. Because we do end up seeing Liza run back upstairs again, conveniently jocked Doctor, again Joctor. conveniently. Doctor. <laughs> Doc- <Joc> doctor. <laughs> uh, doctor John has shown up again, and he tells Liza, "You're being crazy. I see that you left this book for me inside Emily's house. You're planting this kind of stuff. Let's go downstairs and check. Let's see where Arthur was." They go down. No Arthur. No nothing. He also. <laughs> this is very like classic '80s movie. I think. Of she was like running up hysterical after her encounter with Arthur. Mm-hmm. Um, and Dr. John, the medical professional, shakes her until she <laughs> calms down, <laughs> which is just like, yeah, classic mm-hmm. shake the lady until she stops screaming is a not really, effective, not gonna work, but it did. 80s medicine was a crazy time, <laughs> yeah, you know? Slapper. <laughs> oh, calm down. Again, Liza starts to question her sanity. Is she losing it? The answer is no. Immediately no. Because we start getting more lightning. We get lightning in the basement. We have wind just coming right at them. Everything's coming true. Well, right before that, though, <laughs> they have a very weird interaction. Because he said, she says, I, maybe I'm going crazy. And he said, maybe or else. <laughs> Who are you, Eliza? <laughs> Yeah, what did that mean? What are you talking about, bro? And then all hell breaks loose. Mm-hmm. Literally. Yeah, well. well. <laughs> um, but that whole interaction just maybe you're crazy or else you're someone else. Or else who are you? Who are you really? But then at least the house is like sick of his gaslighting. And it's like. It's like, hey, Liza, I got here. your back. What's up? This is all real <laughs> and you're all going to die. And let's let's not forget what I think is the f- my favorite, the best line in the whole film. He says, that house has been abandoned for the last 50 years. This <laughs> <laughs> isn't just like that. Amazing. Yep. So once all hell starts breaking loose, the wind, the lightning, there's blood in this water. Liza's having like blood rain down on her a little With bit. The sound effects mm-hmm. for that blood rain. Made me laugh so hard. It was like, like, like little, I can't make the sound. I wish I could. Yeah. Yeah. It was like bubble wrap almost, Mm -hmm. but like cartoony. Hilarious. Incredible choice. So they end up making their way to the car and escaping, getting as far away from that hotel as they can. This was a very cool shot that I liked of the house. It was just like the silhouette or you saw silhouettes in the window start appearing. But I like the idea that all of those people that disappeared what, 52 years ago, however many years ago it was, are now coming back as all hell is being released. Yeah, it was a very haunted house. Mm-hmm. It was really mm-hmm. yeah. Classic. The two decide to make their way to the hospital because that seems like the best idea. Well, the doctor says that he wants to talk to Harris. For some reason. Yeah. Never addressed. Nope. Maybe Harris is like his best friend. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe he wants to talk to him about the brainwave machine that they also never talk about. Again. That's true. He's like, I have some weird questions for you. <laughs> All this weird stuff that's happening around me right now. I'm going to put that on pause. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the brainwave. Yeah, how are you, Harris? How'd that work out? <laughs> Golly. So they also noticed that when they were going to the hospital, that the town is completely abandoned. Once they get inside the hospital, that too is just completely abandoned. No one is around. 
Yeah, that was cool. It was unsettling. Like, because they're driving for a second before she points it out. Mm-hmm. And I was, it's very like, oh my God, you're right. There's nobody here. Mm-hmm. That's somehow more scary than like having like a bunch of zombies or something. It's like, there's nothing here. This is bad. Cool. There's a pretty funny line that Dr. John says too. I have it written down. He says, no, Liza, I'm a doctor. I won't accept irrational explanations. <laughs> and then he wants to call the FBI immediately and gets a gun out of his desk. Mm-hmm. And totally buys that that hotel is a gateway to hell. Mm-hmm. Without hesitation. Dr. John, like you said, he gets himself a gun. And we have actually a pretty, a pretty cool jump scare that I oh, yeah. forgot about completely. Liza standing there. All of a sudden, the glass behind her breaks. Someone just starts grabbing her hair and we start to see zombies appearing out of nowhere. And Dr. John just starts fire. Oh, and like it was sick Western style music playing with it, too. <laughs> I was like, yeah, good choice. And Dr. John, without hesitation, just starts shooting right over. Her oh, shoulder. yeah. He doesn't fucking miss a beat. No, he's <laughs> he been was, waiting to do this. He was ready to go. Yeah. He's like, oh, now's my time to shine. He's oh. been like, I've been trying to do surgery with a gun for years. They don't let me. <laughs> now's his time to shine. It's still in its experimental stages. <laughs> Although I will say that uh, Dr. John, he wasn't the best aim. I mean, he's shooting them in the arms and stomach and he hits one in the head and it stops. But then he continues to just shoot them wherever he can. He's He has like a pattern, though. He'll like shoot him in the shoulder the stomach, the head. Then the head. Shoulder, stomach, head. Shoulder, stomach, head. He's like, God, it's not working until you hit him in the head. I'm like, well, yeah, he didn't Dr. seem John, to learn that lesson. No. For a doctor who's that precise, you would think. You think he'd figure it out. You would think, but he doesn't. So the two of them end up getting separated as well. Liza finds herself in an elevator that takes her to the morgue, I believe. I think it's yeah, an elevator, which right? I don't understand. Yeah. Why didn't he go with her into the elevator? Oh, I, he, I like, have an answer for that. Behind to. Because oh, he was he, shooting. He looked too cool. He was like, yeah, yeah. boom, <laughs> boom, was boom. He was having a great time. <laughs> He's the one that broad slowing him down. He was already where he wanted to be. No. So yeah, Liza's in the morgue now, and Dr. John ends up making his way into another room where he finds his best friend, Harris. Yeah, he found him. For a second, I thought Harris was a zombie because he looks pale, and he's holding like a, some sort of like surgical a, tool. It's like a cleaver, it looked like. To yeah, me. I and I could have sworn it's he a was a zombie. Saw. Oh, it was a bone saw. Oh. It's a hospital nurse. Uh, it looked like a cleaver. I'm <laughs> not a doctor. I am. So is Dr. John. Yeah. He even said it. He's got a gun and he's got a bone saw. That's all he needs. But he does use his classic medical solution of shaking Harris for a second. Sure does. <laughs> if it ain't broke, don't fix it. If it's broke, you shake it. And Harris is just like, I don't know what's happening. I'm having a rough time. And it looks but he like he seemed normal. He, yes, he did. And they, it looks like they're about to have a team up. They're reunited, best friends at last. Until they get surrounded. Dr. John makes the bright decision to shoot out a window, which he does not end up leaving out of. And the window explodes and like a gust of wind blows oh, through. It definitely looks like the window just explodes. Oh, yeah. no. Unprompted. He, he shoots it. Oh, could I? I might be wrong, actually. Maybe I looked away. I we might have to roll back the tape because <laughs> I we, we might have rewound this a couple of times to compare the glass yeah. shards. Uh-huh. We have no <laughs> hobbies, um, but. It, it seems like it just all of a sudden. Yeah, Interesting. It just explodes. Maybe I thought so the explosion weird. was the gun being fired. All right. We're going to 
I'm going to pause this podcast for a second and we're going to be right <laughs> we back. We got to find out. Oh, are you going to put it on? Yeah. Yes. Nice. Yeah. Well, after a quick break, we decided to rewatch the scene there and it turns out he did shoot the window. He sure did. Doesn't make a whole lot more sense, but you're right. You were absolutely right. We thought I did not see the gun at all. I just thought that window <laughs> exploded and I was willing to accept that for the rest of this movie. I was going to accept what you guys said because it would, I guess, made a little bit more sense because maybe, you know, a supernatural force is what blew the window out and made the glass shards go into Harris. Oh, and that's our next death as well. Yeah. Harris yeah. gets shards of glass Spoiler, in his face. Harris gets glassed. But, My original assumption was that he was just maybe he heard or saw something in the window and he was just pointing the gun at it mm-hmm. and then it just happened to explode. But no, it, it clearly like recoiled. He shot that window. He sure did. And then somehow the glass fought back. It just went straight into Harris and Dr. John doesn't skip a beat and just dips. Like, no. all right, bye. And with Harris's death, the blood just kind of comes out wherever. Yeah. He's got oh, that yeah. one glass shard that's basically in his eye. So it's not an eyeball thing, but mm-hmm. I'm counting it. Oh, But like, it. it's like sticking right out underneath his eye and no blood comes out of it. But blood comes pouring out of the top of his head where there's no glass. Of course, as we uh, are learning through this movie, wherever you get hit, everything just comes straight out of your head. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Head blood. Also, my opinion, that was probably the least exciting death. Yeah. Kind of the most of dull. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't really. I mean, I don't know how much time we got to care about any of the people that died, frankly. <laughs> but Harris... I feel like of all the of them, I feel like I had very little emotional connection to his death and it was just so brief. And John clearly didn't care. So I was like, well, I guess we don't. Why should I care? I mean, all Harris wanted to do was use that machine. (laughs) Yeah. You just had this really strong relationship with his oscilloscope. Yeah. His oscilloscope. (laughs) Rest in peace. Weirdo. Thankfully, Liza and Dr. John end up reunited back in the morgue. Oh, before we kind of move on from that, though, and maybe as we're in the morgue, too. Yes. Um, John runs out of bullets a whole lot. <laughs> I don't see him ever load. No, but he, he never he loads. Doesn't. He definitely shoots like 12 to 13 times. At least. At oh, least. Minimal. And it is a six bullet revolver. Yes, it is. And he is just like, blah, 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 blah. And then he'll be like, click, click, click. Oh, no, I'm out of bullets. I was like, ooh, that's going to be tense. And then seconds later, he starts shooting again Mm -hmm. with no reloading. No, like, oh, no, I'm out of bullets. He just keeps on going. And he did not grab a lot of rounds out of his desk. Did he grab any? I didn't see him. Oh, no, he did. He grabbed a few rounds and put them like on the desk next to the gun. Ah. Like when he was picking up the phone. Uh Uh-huh. It was one of the first things he He did. He just loaded it into his But it was like, yeah, honestly, (laughs) how bullets got, you know. Jack. Well, I have a bit of an interesting theory about that that I just came up with right now. All right. So my theory right now is that Liza and Dr. John are already in hell. Oh, yeah. No, I I said that the very moment they were like, oh, where is everybody? I was like, oh, great. No, they're they're in hell. Exactly. And it says Nola is abandoned. Brian thinks they're already in hell. (laughs) You guys are on the same page. There was also like some shots where it would focus on the little red dot as soon as they would get in the elevator. Yeah. And that also kind of fueled my thoughts of them already being in hell. Like maybe they're going to different levels. Possibly. Something similar to that. Yeah. And, you know, no matter where they're going, no matter how far they try and get away, they're still just going to end up in this hospital. They're going deeper and deeper and deeper until they wind up right back. Mm hmm. Before we get ahead of ourselves there. (laughs) 
we have Dr. John and Liza reunited. They find Jill. I guess she's in hell as well. Didn't really think about that. Poor girl. <laughs> yeah. She's having a rough time. The zombies, of course, start breaking it into the morgue as well. Liza also, like, runs and hugs and kisses Jill like they're tight. Mm-hmm. Like, she's not just the kid of the plumber that she hired and got killed. And then just said, oh, I'm sorry at the funeral and dipped. Rest in peace to your mom and dad. Bye. That was the second thing she learned in New York was to care about orphans. (laughs) To care about that orphan. Not immediately, but later. No, it's it's a work in progress. While they're trying to escape, they find Svek in a freezer waiting for him all nice. How fun is that? He is not bothered by John's magic bullets. No, no, John does not reload. He just keeps fucking shooting. That was genuinely spooky when uh, when Shvek shows up again, yeah. like just in that like dark space, mm-hmm. just standing there all menacing. Like, right. Oh. It's not like a closet or a, a body drawer. No, it it, like they open this nothing. door and it's just like this void behind him. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was cool. It was creepy. So while Dr. John is just lighting up Svek with bullets, Jill ends up turning on Liza. And we have a very fucking gross and very intense kill. (laughs) (laughs) Dr. John notices here. He hears Liza scream. He looks over, sees Jill and just doesn't miss a beat. Again, with no hesitation. (laughs) He just, he blasts off like the top front of her face. It explodes. Pops that melon real good. Yeah. uh, nuts. He switched the ammo type in his revolver too, real quick. (laughs) Just get those exploding rounds. Yeah. Yeah, The hollow point. (laughs) Yeah, that I forgot happened too. And when that happened, I just was like, damn. Just everyone else is getting paintball shots in the head and the child gets her (laughs) head blown clear off. Yeah, yeah. The zombies were just, you know, a little hole here and there. And nope, nope. This kid just got it. Extremely brutal. So Liza and Dr. John make their way down a flight of stairs. And lo and behold, they find themselves back in the same basement they just came from. They have very little choice. Either do you go back upstairs to this morgue full of zombies and Svek trying to kill you? That you can hear. Yes. Yeah, they're still coming. Yes. Or do you continue onward through this hole in the wall where there's a bunch of just fog and smoke coming out of? They make the clear choice of continuing onward into the unknown. And into the unknown, they find themselves. They are in this desolate, just empty wasteland where there are bodies just kind of on the ground it is essentially it is exactly the picture that the painter aka svek was making at the very beginning it was the painting that liza had had in her house the one that was bleeding and it looks awful they turn around the way they came in through is gone they look in every direction and it's the same no matter where they go and it's upsetting yeah it was the actual landscape Seeing that compared to the actual painting, like we'd seen the painting, the whole thing, and then to be actually at that landscape, that was like, oh, yikes, that's creepy. And they did a really good job. Yeah, that was cool. They start to have these terrified looks on their faces as they are blinded themselves. Dr. John looks terrified. She looks kind of just deer in headlights. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Which is kind of interesting to me because uh-huh. he's yeah. like horrified and she seems not necessarily at peace, but to seem to have like almost a, a grasp of what's going on. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I think it's kind of interesting that like their that their reactions to this experience and being blinded in this like horrible hellish wasteland are different. I think that's cool. 
Yeah, maybe it's just because she's seen, like, she's been going through this shit already, and this is, I guess, Dr. John's first, just his experience yeah. with all the weird shit going on. She's like, oh, well, I guess this is this is where I was supposed to be. Then we have our ending music, and we have one final line, which I really fucking love, which was said a little bit earlier on, but it's repeated here. And you will face the sea of darkness and all therein that may be explored. Cue credits. And they disappear. Mm-hmm. They fade out. That was tight. And that brings us to an end of this week's movie, The Beyond. So, I have a few questions to end off this week's movie with, guys. First, I like to ask, did you both enjoy the movie? Uh, Margaret, I'm going to ask <laughs> you first, did you enjoy this movie? Yeah, I did. I think so. Um, I think it was, it was fun. I think that if... I was watching it alone. I would have been frustrated by how confused I was, Mm -hmm. but watching it with somebody and watching it where his reactions of wait, what was validating for me um, kind of undid that. And I was able to actually really enjoy it. So I, yeah, I had a good, I had a really good time. Excellent. All right, Brian, would you say you enjoyed this movie? Overall? I think, yes, I think there's a, There's a lot to to enjoy, but there's also a lot to be very frustrated with. Yeah, (laughs) I I would want to watch this movie uh, where the lore is a little bit extrapolated. Mm -hmm. Maybe watch it again if there's more clues to kind of put together. Like that's a cool way of doing storytelling, I think, is like to to leave all the clues to for people to put together to learn what's going on behind the scenes. Uh, but as it, as it was, uh, there's a lot of frustrating moments for every like really cool thing. There were like two really frustrating things. Like a lot of things could have been cut down, especially the spider scene. Goodness gracious. I agree with you on that. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I, overall I enjoyed it. I think I, I think I liked it. I'd want to watch more of this, uh, this director's work. Well, maybe I'll have to have you guys back for, uh, one of the other two movies in this gates of hell trilogy. Well, let's talk about our favorite death or kill of the movie. That's always one I like to go over, especially a movie like this that has so many and has so many well done and just gross kills. Margaret, I'll start with you. Do you have a favorite death slash kill of the movie? Yeah, I think unpopular opinion with this crowd is I actually really like the spider killing scene. Okay. Um, I think that it was it's something that if I were. To, if that were to be made now mm-hmm. with like CGI and like realistic, I would it would be unwatchable to me. I agree. Um, I, I don't think that would be fun. I think that would be a, a, a core memory in a bad way. Uh-huh. Um, but the way that it was doing, um, it seemed like they had a lot of fun doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very delighted by the spiders being afraid of the prop spiders. <laughs> I think that's really funny. Um and the whole thing was kind of ridiculous. He was reading a book on top of a ladder. The lightning scared him. He fell down and got eaten by spiders. Yes. What a ridiculous way to die. Yes. Um, and I think Jill's head being blown in two is a close second. So I think the spider scene was my favorite. Nice. All right, Brian, let me ask you your favorite death slash kill of the movie. Well, that's very clear to me. You touched on it. It's Jill. Uh, that was easily <laughs> far and away my favorite kill of the whole film uh for a lot of reasons like number one the no hesitation yep like i love that 
that was that was incredible. He just turns he just and sees fires. the cheese. <laughs> he's just, he's cheese attacking his uh, his brand new girlfriend. He's like, no, fuck this. Blows <laughs> her head up right away. No and it's voice. made so much better because like when Jill is introduced, uh-huh. she is like corrupted very quickly mm-hmm. and then it's dropped for so for long enough that you could forget, forget about, about her. Absolutely forget about it. So like halfway between uh, the moments Jill shows up, I'm like, what what happened to Jill? She has spooky eyes. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, especially when they're in uh, the hospital hell, like, oh, OK, it's going to be Jill. Especially when they, especially when they find her there. I'm like, OK, yep, yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Jill is going to be the one that kills both of them. That's what this is all about. She's got the eyes. That's Why so else important. would she be there? No, no, not at all. Immediately destroyed. <laughs> oh, that was that was spectacular. I love too that it was just such a very specific part of her face too, just like from the f- top yeah. of the forehead down to like the nose. But everything else was fine. Yeah, just like bop, bop that little bit out. <laughs> so funny. Well. Mine is going to be completely different from your guys. As I actually kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier already, I think that the scene with Emily getting her throat ripped out and her ear ripped off was the most visceral for me. That one made me squirm a little bit. I was like, this is really well done. There's so much blood and it's so gross. And I immediately just fell in love with it too. That's awesome. That is my favorite one. And yeah, Jill's is definitely very close to it, but... <laughs> Jill gets the honorary second for all of us, huh? Yeah. yeah. Good job. For Brian. Yeah. Good job, Jill. I like that we all have different ones. There's a lot of options mm-hmm. for deaths. They're all very different. In this. Yes. There yeah. is no, like, M.O. There's of, a like, lot. Oh, yeah, everybody's going to be, like, scared to death or everyone's going to get stabbed with a whatever the hell. It's like, I don't think that there's any continuity between the murders. Except deaths. for the eyes. Two, yeah, two eye kills, but that's about it. Yeah. yeah. Some good themes. Yeah. Well, let's see. They we really have, do love the eyeballs, don't they? We have Svek being crucified. Beaten yeah. with chains. Beaten with chains. Very good in its own right. Then we have uh, the, the painter, I guess, right? Yeah. yeah. Who the falls down and gets colossal internal bleeding <laughs> for a one-story fall. Just all his organs popped right yeah. away. He's made out of water balloons, this guy. Joe's wife, Marianne, with the face acid. We have Martin getting paralyzed, eaten by spiders. Martha with the eye. Arthur off screen. Emily with the dog. Harris with the glass in the face. Again, very disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. Jill with the exploding face. Yes. And then the two of them phasing off into hell. Yep. Some very, yeah, very cool is, kills. There's a uh, smorgasbord of ways to die in this movie. Which is very exciting for me because the past movies that I've done, I just did a commentary for From Beyond, a completely different movie, similar titles. Uh, not that many deaths in that. In Event Horizon, not that many. And in Fright Night, not that many either. So before that had been the Friday the 13th movies, which had a good amount so this is nice kind of getting back into having a large amount to choose from don't get attached to anybody exactly they're all gonna die yeah hopefully though liza and dr john went off to be happily in hell happily married in hell forever (laughs) Yeah. yeah well finally you guys i like to ask a rating system out of let's say 
let's say 10 out of, all right, out of 10 Jill face explosions <laughs> out of 10, how many would you give this movie? I'll go first. Yeah. I, I give it like 6.5. Okay, so like a Which full is, face and a half face explosion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, gross. In the pie chart of her face that's missing, um, I think probably. Uh, yeah, I'd go like a six. I think a six for me because I think that there it was a lot of fun mm-hmm. and like I really, I don't need a lot out of movies to have a good time. If we're being honest, sure. Like, I have I have fun with like whatever we're watching most of the time. Um, but there's just so many unanswered questions. And I feel like there was a lot of potential for it to be really cool. Mm-hmm. Of yeah. just like, I want to follow those storylines and I'm kind of frustrated that we can't. Um, I don't know, bump it up to like a seven because I was able to tolerate a lot of gore through this, yeah. which is really, I'm very proud of myself for it. So for somebody who doesn't like horror and doesn't and gets scared really easily, I think I had a seven, seven of Jill's face being blown. <laughs> Perfect, um, beautiful, yeah. love it. I love it. Yeah, it's crazy because it's like it's a lot of highs and high highs and low lows that you uh-huh. gotta kind of average out. It's really kind of weird. Well, my rating for this is a is ten Jill face explosions <laughs> out of ten. I absolutely love this movie. This was one that I was just so excited to kind of talk about with some people on this podcast from the get-go. This was one of the first on my list. And I'm super pumped that I was able to talk about this with you two, because like you said, both of you aren't really big horror fans. And I'm able to now show you guys something I doubt you would have ever, ever gone to watch. Oh, absolutely. This would never have been on my list. And I am really like, we had a great time watching it. Yeah. I've been excited since we watched it to talk about it too. So this is really fun. And that goes back to the whole point of this podcast is to hopefully have you guys enjoy something or, you know, maybe not enjoy something, but it'll give us something to talk about. Give us a reason to watch a movie and to hang out. I'll take any excuse like that. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's going to wrap up this week's episode. Thank you, everyone, for listening and for your continued support. You can find me at Hurwitz's House of Hora on Instagram. I post a whole lot of kind of behind the scenes things and shots from the movie. Just fun, fun things like that. Please rate and review on your podcast apps. That helps get this podcast out to more people who either enjoy horror films or just hearing some fun conversation happen. Thank you, Brian and Margaret, for coming on this week. Again, I really appreciate you taking some time out of your out of your day to watch this and to record i've had so much fun it's always great seeing you two catching up with you and i cannot wait for the next movie that we do possibly the ring maybe another lucio fulci movie we'll just see where that takes us thank you so much for having us this was a really really good time this is rapidly becoming one of my favorite podcasts and it was just really fun to do this yeah this was a blast thank Thank you so much for having us yeah thank you guys And as we say at the end of every episode of Hurwitz's House of Horror, oh, my face got blown off. 50 years.